Hi there. This podcast was recorded in early 2023. With the acknowledgement that our world and current events shift every day, we hope you enjoy this slice of life from our community's voices. The human story is the search for belonging. From childhood to adulthood, in joy and in struggle, we all sit in questions of how to make sense of it all. What is our place? Why are we here? What is our story of searching? Join us in conversation with community members, each sharing some of their own story. I am Ben Spratt, and this is Belonging. So today I have the true honor of being in conversation with a beloved friend and colleague. Many know Lloyd Moore to be the smiling face that has greeted us walking in the doors of Oda Shalom for more than two decades. Those of you who don't know his official title is Deputy Director of Security, and for a person who has dedicated his career to making this a sanctuary of safety and belonging, we also know him to be the person that most anchors us, most warmly welcomes us into a space that says, this is home. And Lloyd, it is a gift to be in conversation with you today, my friend. Thank you very much, Rabbi. I feel very honored being here to, uh, in your presence. Thank you. Of course. So, Lloyd, we would love to hear a bit about your own search for belonging over an incredible life and some of that life we've had the blessing of enjoying. But if you're willing to tell us a bit about that search. Oh, of course. Uh, I feel like my belonging has been here at Road F. Shalom for uh, the amount of time that I've been here. I've uh, had an opportunity to meet a lot of families a lot of kids who have gone to our school, have gone beyond, graduated from college, and they're in their own professional life, and some of them have even gotten married. And then I find that this is a very warm place to be a part of. That was beautiful, Lloyd. And, you know, and I, I have to say what I, I love is that somehow those interactions, those passing interactions, really forge a sense of connection, not just in you, but in them. You remember names of people going back decades. Um, and oftentimes, if one of us is struggling to recall a name, you're the one who can pull it up. And I, I think that shows... Um, a deeper understanding that you lift up, which is that each interaction, each person is actually sacred and important. And for you, you treasure that and make the rest of us feel that. So if you're willing, Lloyd, I would love to have you take us on a little bit of journey of your story, um, because you do such a good job asking the questions about our lives. Right. This is an opportunity for our congregation, our community to get to hear a bit of yours, if you're willing. Okay, sure. Um, well, uh, to begin with, um, I'm, a, I'm a Southern boy from Alabama. I was born there. My mom and my dad met when they were in college. And somehow or another, my father had to go to the service. He was in World War II. I was born, and, and my father was away overseas. And so I was raised by my grandparents and my dad and my mom. And they taught me a lot about value, hard work, uh, and that's sort of like been my mantra uh, all my life. And that's why uh, I am who I am, I guess, from my upbringing. Um, I came to New York, I guess, about when I was around 20. I was in college down in, in Alabama, of course, in a Christian Methodist Episcopal school. Um, 
and then I gravitated to New York City. I went to uh, Fordham University for a while, and then I ended up graduating from John Jay College of Criminal Justice in 1982. And then I was in the police department for approximately 20 years. And just, I like the idea of being with around people, uh, serving, which I did for 20 years. All that came to sort of like develop my character, I would say. So being an officer in the police force at a, at a time which was a very different New York City. Yes. I imagine you got to see both the worst of and the most difficult layers of humanity and also I'm guessing some experiences with the best of humanity and the courage. How did you process all of that as an officer? That's a good question, uh, Rabbi, because I came on in um, February of 1974 and New York City was a totally different place. Um, and of course, I didn't have the equipment that these officers have today, such as a vest, uh, body cameras, and all of that. So we had to uh, sort of like improvise a lot of things. You're a psychologist, you're a psychiatrist, <laughs> you're a law enforcement officer. You put it all together, and then that's how you were able to serve the community and survive yourself. I saw the department develop and go forward, and I grew in the department until it was time for me to leave. I left there and. 1994. So I put approximately 20 years there. And afterwards, I didn't work for three years. I stayed home. Uh, I was raising my, my kid at home, which uh, I, I wanted to do until it was time for us to move out and, and buy a house somewhere. So we bought a house in North Carolina, and that's where we reside to this day. And, uh, and, that's, and that's, that's it so far. <laughs> so good. So Lloyd, how did you hold on to a belief in the goodness in people? Oh, good question. I can see the good and I can see the bad in all things. And believe me, uh, I see nothing but goodness when I come here in the synagogue here. There's such a warmness that I can't explain. Uh, and I sort of like get along with everyone, especially always start, like to start with the children because um, I'm more or less involved with the bar mitzvahs here and uh, the, in the school. And then that's how I got to, I don't know, know the grandparents and know the uncles, know the aunts. And I have a pretty good memory of names and stuff like that. So when you think about um, your parents and growing up and right. giving you the value of hard work, which we certainly get to see and uh, uh, you live out every single day. So what do you think your parents would make of you uh, working in a Jewish synagogue uh, here in New York City? I mean, was this your parents' dream for you? Oh, well, actually, uh, I, I did tell my father this before he passed away, and he was very supportive of me working here because I, I, I would tell him that I met interesting people like yourself. Hmm. Uh, I remember when you were a rabbinical student here uh, working in religious school. and so. But my parents have always been supportive of whatever I believed in. Uh, like I said, they gave me my strength. Uh, they mold me the way I am right now. So I, I'm pretty sure they would be very happy wherever they are right now to know that I'm speaking to a rabbi, Rabbi Spratt, <laughs> who was a rabbinical student that I knew that became a senior rabbi here at Rhoda Shalom. Oh, thank you, Lloyd. And it's been an honor. We get to be on this journey together, my friend. Yes, and, sir. You know, I think some of what I see is so sacred in this city, but I would say in this congregation in particular, mm -hmm. is what it is to have so many different people with so many different stories and backgrounds come together in a larger experiment of how do we knit together. 
And for me, I can't think of a more powerful image during COVID than when we filmed our high holidays. Oh. And a welcome that really showcased you opening the doors of the synagogue because it captured something essential about this place is you, your face, your heart is indelibly entwined with how people feel their sense of belonging Mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you always get to think about that. Um, I know that you have to think about a thousand variables to keep us safe and the protocols Mm -hmm. that allow this organization to run. But I think about the statement that it makes what it is to have a good boy from Alabama (laughs) who became an officer of the law here in New York City, who dedicates every day to be on the front line to give that sense of belonging to other people, and while coming from a different faith background, to be the one that helps a new generation rise up to find their own. Mm -hmm. That's an amazing story. And if you're willing, Lloyd, I'd love to hear what do you hold in your heart every day as you walk into work in this building Knowing that part of your job is to face how bad humanity can get Mm -hmm. while getting to embrace with a huge smile on your face the joy of seeing children run into this building and all generations finding their place of home. It's been a long journey for me, but here I think is a very unique place to work. Uh, There's so many people here that have been nice to me, so many wonderful people here. I I can't even count them. Just, it's just a wonderful place to greet people in the morning when they come to work. And my cheering them cheers me. And that, that starts my day out. And that's the way I look at things. I always try to make people comfortable when they're here in the synagogue and, and, and feel like they're safe. And, you know, it's just been that way of me acting that way. Even when I was in the police department, I did the same thing when I was in the community uh, working. Um, when I first come in to work every day, First thing I want to do is just look at my surroundings and make sure everything's safe inside and perimeter and outside and inside. Uh, So I look, it's a joy for me, in other words, to come here every day. In our shared years here together, Lloyd, one of the things that I've also appreciated is the way that you notice some of the people who struggle to find belonging. Yes. And some of the people that you know could use that extra greeting, and especially as we think of some of our teens that sometimes struggle, Mm -hmm. how you've taken many of them under your wing, helped bring them into the security booth and domain, but even more, had them feel like there was an adult that actually cared about them. And if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you a question I've wanted to ask you a long time. Sure. What was it like for you growing up as a kid? Did you feel a sense of belonging? Like, what has allowed you to be so attuned to those who seem to be searching or struggling or feeling alone? Oh, um, well, let me just say that when I was growing up, I really had a very nice, wonderful childhood growing up because uh, I came from a very religious family, let's put it that way. And I was very active in in, uh, the church that I attended. I was um, AME Methodist. I uh, even taught the adult education class at my at my at my church uh, during youth week. You know, it was amazing that I I was talking to adults like that, giving them a lesson, and I was only like twelve years old. But anyway, just certain things like that sort of like molded me, I guess you could say. So, if you were going to teach a class here at Rota Shalom, yes, on how to bring out the best of humanity, yes. What do you think is the recipe? Oh, wow. 
You've seen it all, Lloyd. So I have. You, if you were, if you're going to lift up the values, the lessons that you think it takes to bring forward the best of what people can be, what would they be? Well, I look at it this way. I don't. Treat, I treat people the way that I would want to be treated. There are a lot of, um, and I, I could say this on Saturdays when I'm here, more or less senior citizens coming in, more or less. It makes me very warm inside to talk to them. So, some of them because they need someone to talk to, and I don't. I won't call any names per se, but. And it remind me mostly of uh, when I was growing up, let's put it that way. And uh, they always ask me, uh, I haven't seen you today. Why you didn't come in yesterday? Like last Friday, I, I didn't come in. Everyone thought something happened to me, you know, because I miss them like they miss me. So, Again, you know, boy from Oregon and a boy from Alabama wind up in New York City, but being in the same home... Ultimately, because I think this is a place where we're building community, where we're saying we're stronger, we're better when we weave together with others, when we get to journey together a bit. So for you, Lloyd, as you think about this neighborhood, this city, even this congregation, Mm -hmm. and you see the changes that are underfoot, we're living at a time of a great deal of fracturing. There's been, obviously, a great deal of attention brought to law enforcement yes, and the way in which these two different worlds don't always reach towards the same vision of our country. And I'm curious how you, on a personal level, kind of navigate this very difficult time um, of facing ongoing racism in our country, of looking at, I think, some of the fair and maybe problematic critique of law enforcement. Mm -hmm. You've lived it. You see how hard it is. And I'm wondering if you could give us some of your own wisdom. Yeah, Rabbi, absolutely. Uh, growing up in Alabama, let me just say I grew up in Birmingham, Alabama, which is <clears throat> at one point in time when I was coming up uh, was probably the most segregated place in the United States. I went to segregated schools. Even though I grew up in, in, in a segregated situation, there were a lot of Caucasian uh, friends of mine and family that it was a period of time where they were afraid to really speak out because of uh, ramifications of what may happen to them. Uh, They could, you know, you had the Ku Klux Klan around, you had a lot of white supremacist groups out there. But in all in all, it 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 was a lot of harmony among the races there, believe it or not. And I grew up with a lot of, well, Angela Davis, she went to school with me uh, in high school. And then I used to go, like when you had the civil rights m- movement, the Martin Luther King uh, sermons and all like that in the churches and everything like that. I attended all that stuff. So, you know, I, I've seen full circle of how we have gone from the 50s into the 60s to the 70s into present. Coming to New York City, I came here at a time wherein they were laughing at me because I had a southern accent. Let me just say that. I don't know if I still have it. Some people say I still do. I don't know. It depends on what certain things I say. But uh, I found that, you know, I could, I could really deal with the people. Like you say, you're from Oregon and I was from Alabama. But somehow or another you can mesh all that together and survive by just being yourself. Like I said earlier, I treat people the way that I want to be treated. But I think... Uh, we are in a time in my life, in everyone's life here, where race is a problem. There's seem to be an issue now. And I think we're going to overcome all of this eventually. It's not going to, it's just something we're going through right now. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's economics. Maybe it's because of the 
virus. We're locked down for two or three years. But I think eventually we're all going to get on the same page. And I do think, you know, Lloyd, that's some of the perspective that many of us, me included, lack Mm -hmm. is sometimes when you're in the midst of a time of disruption, dislocation, fracturing, it's sometimes harder to see the longer arc, the longer story. And, you know, that's an incredible Mm -hmm. perspective to be able to bring to the fore right now. So what gives you hope these days? What gives me hope is that I, I see goodness in the young people, you know. Uh, but then again, you know, you, you still have bad and evil in some of the, this going around. But some of the young people here are very impressive to me, amazing. Uh, it, it's interesting because as I, I look over the moments in my life where I found myself afraid, often mm-hmm. in, in fear, I make the worst choices. And it is interesting that it's usually in relationship, it's in feeling like we're not alone, that we can make um, not only the move of seeing a larger perspective, but ultimately make decisions that are in the interests of people beyond our own self-preservation. If we actually believe that God is with us, that people are with us, um, how does that change our every interaction? Because going back to New York City, mm-hmm. that's when the magic of the city is those interactions <laughs> you get to have with your cab driver or, you know, the subway conductor or the random, you know, person that's walking the sidewalk. And I think about how do we get to have interactions where we believe that each of those people have goodness and place and purpose? And how do we see each of those faces as not an inherent threat, but possibly a person who's helping this city hum? So if you were going to go and think about the recipe of how to create a a house of belonging, okay? As a person who grew up in a house of worship and now is a part of helping this house of worship run, what do you think it takes to really create that feeling of sanctuary, that feeling of a a beacon of belonging for people? I I, I really feel that the congregation itself brings out, let me put it that way, the the goodness of everyone. Everyone, and I'm going to use Rhoda F as that example because everyone here is so warm and I feel comfort when I'm here. It's like a like I belong, and just I, it's it's indescribable. I can't really say. It's a great place to be. I do like that image of a place that helps bring out the goodness in each person, because I think there's a lot of spaces that can bring out the worst in people. Mm-hmm. Um, and what is the recipe? What's the environment that inspires us to believe that? our small and large choices can make a difference, that actually we can impact the world. And I do think it's interesting to, again, have the model of who's the first person they get to to <laughs> yeah. meet. Yeah. And that, I think, is something that um, when most people are imagining what does it mean to be in the security industry, I'm sure there are some, but I'm guessing that for many, it's not the lens of how am I creating a feeling of belonging in people? Mm-hmm. How am I helping them feel their own goodness? And I know this isn't what you were wanting in this conversation, Lloyd, but I do want to mirror back to you that the number of people who have felt a sense of connection in this place, that have felt a sense that somebody cares about what's happening to them and cares what actually lives at the heart of who they are, has really come from you. Um, And that's the magic of a place where what happens if every one of us actually oriented ourselves to believe that our every interaction or every conversation is the opportunity to create connection, is to help another person feel like they belong, is that they're needed and necessary. And I think part of why you're so beloved, Lloyd, is because you model the best of what this place can be. 
Well, Rabbi, I feel a lot of love here. I, and uh, as you eloquently described, uh, which I can't, like you, present things, but it, this, it's, it's a lot of love. When you walk through the front door here, there's love here, right, off, right, right away. Um, and so that reflects my personality as a person who works here. Uh, I, I try to keep a same demeanor because that's the way I feel, inside. My inside reflects my outside. And that, my friend, I think may be exactly the wisdom of our times. Because ultimately, if we want to see the world get to a better place, we have to start by figuring out what's going on inside ourselves. Um, And if I can't access that, how can I possibly expect the world outside to do that? So I actually would say to you, Lloyd, that's exactly the workshop that we need. Yes. Is if a person who could have seen the worst of humanity... Mm -hmm choose to still bring forward love into this world. If a person who stands at the doors every single day here, knowing that there are people who would seek to do damage to the people behind these doors, and you still can greet the world with love, then the rest of us really have no excuse. So we have to do what we can to nurture that goodness in our own selves and figure out how we can see it in other people. I think that's incredible wisdom, Lloyd. Thank you. Thank you, Rabbi. So I want to just bring... One more question, uh, if you're willing. I, you've, I put you on the hot seat a lot here. No, so. it's, okay. it's okay. It's okay. So if we could thread together some of the different chapters of your life, and you were going to think about a lesson that you feel like has come back again and again in your life over and over, what would one of those things be? Oh, um, never make the same mistake twice. Hmm. Uh, that's that's sort of been my model. I, I've always been that way from day one when I was able to, well, when I had my first job, if I made a mistake in it, or I, was, I would never make the same mistake a second time. So until it becomes a natural thing, I never want to make a mistake. I'm not a perfect person, of course, but I, I, I sit down and, and, and discuss the pros and cons of it within myself. And sometimes I would take it to my parents and let them guide me. Uh, my parents was were the molding of me. Uh, probably if you've seen my parents today, which they're not longer here, you will see me. It's interesting um, to imagine uh, in, I would say, many synagogues and many churches, mm-hmm. uh, there's a feeling of guilt and shame that's often incubated. Um, so I, I, I think that guilt often you know, hangs in the air in many religious settings. And the problem is that guilt in a small dose can sometimes inspire people to learn from mistakes, but in large doses actually can suggest to a person, it doesn't really matter what I do because I'm always going to be in error. And I, I love the orientation of saying, you know what, we are going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And it's our choice whether we choose to learn from them and choose to grow from them. So, again, another element that maybe we could use a little dose of uh, mm-hmm. in a lot of different religious contexts is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how do we focus on the learning and less on the guilt? Wonderful. Well, Lloyd, I want to just offer gratitude. Uh, I know that this is not the normal way in which you bring forward kind of your voice into this world. And for all of us here at Rota Shalom, we are blessed every day by your leadership by your heart and by the love that you model for this community. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you for joining us and listening to this story of belonging. 
Stay connected with us on Facebook and Instagram. You can find me on Twitter at Ben H. Sprett. For more information about CRS, visit us online at rotofshalom.org.